Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, The Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, if you're finding this, it's me, Ray, obviously. You've probably guessed by now that I have been abducted by the darks. Hey, when we see him, do we tell him we didn't even notice he was gone? Yeah, definitely not. Dark said that they'd let go of me when they were done with me. He is asking me if I want to see a Grateful Dead concert, which is really kind of weird. But look, you'll probably try to come after me and find me. If you do, he said that he'll kill me. So, you know, please don't do that. Okay, bye. is the penultimate to our 100th not the penultimate to the end we're not stopping yeah no definitely not (laughs) (laughs) but this is issue 99 of the dc primetime podcast here on the next level podcast network from the showcast spotlight also here on the next level podcast network i am ben beck and from the Capping Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And yes, I am. We're both excited. This is the episode 99, issue 99. Our 100th will be next week. And as we have already revealed on the website or on Facebook, rather, uh, we got a big show coming up. We're, we're actually going to do this in, um, as of right now, it's going to be two parts with potential to... Add to the mix. Yeah. yeah, with potential to add to the mix as the month continues. Uh, as of right now, what we're going to do for our 100th next week uh, is we're going to be – it's going to be broken up into two parts, part 100A and 100B, or 100.1 and 100.2, rather. Um, which way works better for you? 100 yeah, whatever. Okay. Uh, we could just do – yeah, 100 and then 100.5. <laughs> well, but then if we do it's further – but then if we uh, do further, true. we can't do 
Uh, yeah, just do version 1.0 and then version 1. Yeah, we'll we'll do increments. We'll figure it out. But as of right now, um, our 100th is going to be two parts. Part one is going to be our show as usual. We're going to talk about um, only three episodes next week as Arrow after this week is on break for the next two weeks. Uh, so we'll be talking about Legends, Flash, and Black Lightning, of course. And... Yeah, so that, that, you know, first part will be business as usual. We're not going to take a break from talking about the shows. That's what started this podcast. That's what we've done for 99, including this one, other episodes. Uh, so we're not going to take a break from that. However, part two of our 100th is the part that we are extremely excited about. Uh, as of right now, we have two confirmed guests for our 100th. And we've already revealed it on the Facebook page, as I mentioned, but for those of you that don't know already, uh, and I got to preface by saying I preface a lot on this podcast. You do. It's Uh, okay. It's fine. There's two things I do on this podcast a lot. I've learned over 100 episodes. One, I preface a lot. And two, I name drop like a son of a bitch. <laughs> you do. Uh, it's okay, though. I, it's all right. I, my, my big thing is I've realized through many, many episodes of this show and my other show, ah uh, and um. I'm yeah. still so working on trying to break that habit, but I think it's just it's just me and how I speak normally. So it, I, there's just no way around it. Sometimes it's the same thing for me, and it's not just 100 episodes of this podcast. I've done over close to 200 episodes of the Showcast. I've done, you know, I've done a number of Caffeine Crew podcasts. I've at least done 20, 20 to 25 episodes of the 40 some that we've done. So, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I've done a number of podcasts. I still am an uh. I try to avoid it as much as possible. I, I get in my head sometimes too much to try and avoid it, but I still do it. But as I mentioned, two confirmed guests that we are extremely, extremely excited about uh, to join. There it is to join us for the 100th first guest. He was our first confirmed guest, and he is extremely excited to join us he's actually gone back he's listened to a number of our past podcasts including our interview with teddy sears which i still love and after listening he's extremely excited we just saw him this past week so i'm really stoked to damn it chad son of a bitch he called it he even said in one of the posts i'm excited to hear ben geek out with this person and i'm starting to do it now we're not even talking to him yet I know. Well, you know what? It's going to happen. He's one of your favorite characters in not just the Flash, but in DC lore as well. Yeah, so. I know. But we just saw him on Enter Flash Time this week as Jay Garrick. John Wesley Ship is joining us next week. And man, uh, what a great week to talk to him because like we get to talk to him tomorrow night, Monday night. So the even newest episode of Flash won't even have aired. So still the most recent will be Enter Flash Time. So man, it's such a perfect time to talk to him. Yeah, and we have so much stuff to talk to him about too. Like not just stuff that we we personally want to talk to him about, but stuff that he wants to talk about, which is great. We're going to talk about his podcast, uh, his award winning podcast, Powder Burns. We're going to talk about um, the new DC Mattel figure that's coming out on his likeness. Which, God, I can't even imagine what that makes him feel like. So we got so much that we're going to – I don't want to reveal everything. but Oh, yeah. But it it sounds like it's good. We're going to really get in-depth with John, which is great because it sounds like, in all honesty, he he just has so much love for this character. And I read a great interview with him earlier in the week where he basically stated one of the last things he wants to do with this version of Jay Garrick on the show is just, you know, get to – 
get to play with the entire trickster family, you know, and just just the idea of that maybe being a chance. But I there's you know, we can't get into all of it because obviously we're going to be doing that tomorrow night. Yeah. So. Uh, but second guest confirmed another one that I know me personally, I'm very excited about. You're not too familiar with um, with the show or with the shows that he's been a part of. Uh, so I'm going to be doing this one one on one, which is fine. Uh, everybody else is still going to be able to enjoy it just as much. But if you're fans of Smallville, if you're fans of fans of Lucifer, uh, at, when it comes to Smallville, there's no bigger character than this guy. He portrayed, as you mentioned, he's the one person who's portrayed this character the longest in any version. Uh, he portrayed Clark Kent for ten years on Smallville. Tom Welling is coming on the podcast this week too. I'm I'm excited for that one too. I don't I'm, know who incre- I'm-, I'm I'm incredibly excited to listen to it, but I, I just personally feel at, that I can't add enough to that conversation because Smallville was happening when I was just not paying attention to TV too much uh, when I was younger, and I, I, that was the downside. Is by the time I had started gaining an interest and in coming back to comics at that point in time, Smallville was already around like season seven or eight, and I just felt it was like well. That show is well too beyond me. I have no way to watch. There was no way to stream anything at that time. And even when it was available for streaming consistently, I was watching too much other stuff. And I <laughs> never had the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you think about just what we cover here and just the other things I generally watch in my life that I just haven't had that chance yet. And when we found this out, I'm like, I don't know how I can play catch up uh, a season and a half of Lucifer that I need to desperately play catch up on. And because uh, I do love that show and knowing the fact that he's a big part of that now uh, makes me very excited. But I don't know how much time I have. And if there's a way for me to get caught up, at least in Lucifer, I will. But I don't think that's going to be humanly possible. So I figured it was best for you to handle the reins on this one. So. Yeah, no, it's and it's fine. And I'm going to try and do my best. And again, uh, it, he's he, he's a very important character in my life as well. I mean, as as far as, as, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording. Smallville was my first real big foray into Superman. I mean, there was the animated series, there was Lois and Clark, but I, I was, you know, getting to see a live action Superman from my lifetime outside of the Christopher Reeves films uh, at a point where I actually knew the characters. I mean, you can, if you go back to Christopher Reeves, you go back to Lois and Clark, I wasn't too familiar with the villains and, and all the other characters that are attached to Superman himself. I knew of Superman, I knew of Lois, I knew Jimmy, and that was pretty much it. By the time Smallville came around, I was so much more familiar with these characters that when I finally got to see them in a live-action format in the form of Smallville, it became a very important part of my life, and I followed it for 10 years, even through the lower-rated seasons and the seasons that struggled. I stuck it out until the end, so... I know from speaking to his representation, uh, he wants to focus more on Lucifer because that's what's current and that's what he's currently doing. And I completely understand that having speaking, having spoken to people before promoting their current projects. Uh, but he is absolutely going to talk Smallville with me for a little bit. So I'm very excited. John Wesley Ship, Tom Welling, two confirmed guests for the 100th. We still have a lot of irons in the fire. That we haven't heard back from yet. I have sent out follow-up emails Friday afternoon to every single one of them. Uh, I didn't expect to hear anything over the course of the weekend because a lot of these agents take the weekends off, which is fine. So hopefully by Monday or Tuesday, tomorrow or Tuesday, 
maybe we'll start getting some more responses, but um, if we get more confirmed guests that we are not able to speak to before the 100th, we're still going to speak to them, and we're still going to share them with all of you guys. We will just make them extensions of the 100th that we'll put out throughout the month. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And really, if you really look at it, uh, you know, after this episode, up until next Sunday and the following Saturday from there, we're still in the time frame of the 100th anyway. So um, if there's anything in addition to, uh, again, as we just put it, we'll we'll make sure that they're released. It could just be a celebration over the course of the month. I would still really love to also bring back uh, and get a moment, at least with uh, just a couple people that are just friends of ours that helped us start this podcast uh people like tj chris craig uh and then just uh other friends that are part of this community that have been on this like you know you know jacks and shad and paul uh just to get you guys in just for a quick moment even if we can so we'll try to see if we can find a way to make that happen uh in the next two weeks uh and just get some things added in because you guys all help make this show so yeah, and I think since we only have three episodes to talk about next week, what we're going to do is, uh, uh, other than talking about the shows in part A or part one, whatever we're calling it, uh, we're going to reflect a little bit. I'm sure we are. So yeah. we'll do that next week. We've already talked long enough this week. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, pumping up our upcoming 100th, which, again, I'm extremely excited. Uh, if only John was our scheduled guest, I still would have been excited. But the fact that it's John, it's Tom, uh, and who knows with what this these two people joining us for the hundredth, what this could bring for the future of this podcast. Yeah, um, I, I think we're we're on uh, the dawn of uh, kind of the next phase of the show. Uh, it's a I rebirth. What you, that, that, what, it, it's exactly it's what you and me have been talking about personally and behind the scenes for a while of where the show goes, and uh, I think we'll have a lot more to say about that next week. Yeah, so. absolutely. So 100th next week, can't wait, uh, extremely excited. Because for, for you guys as listeners, the 100th is next weekend. For us, the 100th starts tomorrow uh, when well, yeah, we speak well, to I John. Mean, it, yeah, I mean, honestly, too. I mean, if we even kind of look at it, all those annuals that we have done, our 100th was months ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but as far as like, it's, it's great to have that the, those triple digits in our episodes now. So yeah, but I mean, as far as the actual um, celebration, celebration of the hundred for us, it starts tomorrow when we st- when we speak to and record with John. So um, absolutely, you guys, just as you're listening to this right now, realize that we are totally geeking out about the fact that we are probably prepping talking to John. Oh yeah, uh, I've already like been doing my research, so I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty ready. Yeah, I am too. I'm 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 pretty ready too. I'll be doing some more research tomorrow, but I'm already ready as it is. So let's talk this week's episodes. Uh, four new episodes this week, somewhat better than last week, at least for one of them, slightly better. But that wasn't difficult. Well, one of those shows is giving us a present next week by not airing. So, hey, look at that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> by taking a break for two weeks. That's the best gift you can give us for our 100th. Uh, we don't have to talk about it. So uh, let's give our three point, one of three-point ranking for the episodes as we go through. Starting first with Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Season 3, Episode 13. Rob, what do you give this one? Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Man, this is getting a legend. Uh, I think really, in all honesty... <laughs> 
I can just record my thoughts now on Legends, and that can just be my review because it's just again every week I say the same thing over and over and over. This show just knows how to be fun, how to be wonderful, bring some emotion to the mix, and just constantly be my favorite right now. There, there's no question about it that this show is just one of the things I just absolutely look forward to and adore week in week out. Yeah. Uh, it's a it, excuse me. It's a legend for me as well. This week there was just so much fun stuff that happened. I got new feelings for a character I didn't think I could ever have, but it's and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So it, it's an absolute legend for me as well. This show has been has not missed since it's returned, and I'm really getting bummed that we're only getting a couple more episodes of this before it ends for the season. So. Uh, and I will tell you, we're about to give our rating for The Flash, uh, but I will tell you, throughout the course of this, I've made no bones that Flash is my favorite of the Arrowverse shows. Legends is getting pretty damn close, especially after the second half of this season. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, uh, But speaking of The Flash, we have Season 4, Episode 15, uh, Sidekick Hero or Legend on this one? Uh, legend again on this one. Uh, th- there's no question about it, no bones about it. This is the best episode so far of this season and probably falls within the top five episodes of The Flash so far as a whole through its four seasons. Uh, I I don't think that's even a question. This was so beautifully and brilliantly done. It was a nice little departure from the DeVos storyline and just was this perfect one-off story that was gorgeous to look at was beautifully executed and amazingly acted and written. So without question, this is getting a legend. It even I would say if this was a numbered review, this is getting somewhere probably in the range of a 9.5, from my opinion. Hands down, one of the episodes I will go back to and watch a ton in the future. Oh, I'm going to be re-watching this episode once or twice before tomorrow night. I guarantee. I, I've already watched the episode three times. So Have you really? <laughs> I have. I really, really love this episode. The same yeah. way that I love the episode, like the runaway dinosaur and, uh, you know, the once in future flash. Yeah, this is uh, this is a legend for me as well. Uh, there were a lo- number of things. Pardon my cat running around like a nutcase in the background. Um, there are a number of things that happened in this episode that I absolutely loved. Uh, one thing in particular, which I can't wait to kind of talk about in depth a little bit further, is this show did something, and you mentioned it's a one-off story, which when you're this late in the season, a lot of times is risky because it seems like filler, but this episode in no way, shape, or form was filler at all. And that's what I loved about it. And the, going back to the point I was trying, I was going to make, this episode did something that I, I, I can't wait to dive on a little bit further, is that it had a scene that simply all it was was two characters sitting, and it gave me feels. I got weepy. I'm not going to lie at the end of that I episode. did too. Yeah, that was – it was so beautifully done. And um, one of the reviews – actually, I think it was IGN's review. There was a couple of reviews I read and said, you know – for a subplot that seemed like you just didn't matter in the beginning, by the time of the end, it was hard not to shed a tear. And it was just two people with funny things on their heads looking at each other. And it was impossible to not have, like, your heart just kind of ache and just kind of swell with joy at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that was one of my favorite things about this entire episode, other than the fact that John Wesley should return to Jay Garrick. But we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we have Black Lightning um oh crap i didn't click on the link there we go uh season one episode seven uh sidekick hero or legend 
I, I think this is getting a legend for me. This is, it did some big things, and there are some big shifts in play. Uh, but again, it continues down to be the fact that the it's the Jeffers, uh, Jefferson's family and just the Pierce family, family in general being so enjoyable and so likable as characters. That is what makes this show just glow and have something truly interesting. But man, more wrinkles into everything that's happening and not a lot of answers yet. But a lot of consequences coming, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. Not only a lot of consequences, but some. But uh, there was one or two reveals that came out of this episode too that really surprised me, mm-hmm. and and not in a bad way. So I'm giving this one a legend as well. I didn't think I would by the beginning of the episode, but as the episode continued, I really started getting engrossed into it because there were a lot of things that were starting to come out. Those and last I, ten minutes, <clears throat> man. Those last ten minutes changed the game completely. Yeah, it did change the entire direction that this show is heading and I really can't wait for uh, to see where the rest of this show is going to go because I think we only have um it's 13 episodes in total. so six more episodes yeah mm-hmm. um wait no seven more episodes I think. yeah well, this is kind of pseudo the halfway point next week is halfway so six yeah. more episodes six more episodes mm-hmm. yeah yeah we broke the halfway point by the end of this episode so yeah so we're halfway through I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going to go and, of course, we have Arrow, Season 6, Episode 15, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. This ought to be fun. Uh, actually, I'm really <laughs> kind of torn on how I would review this. Uh, just because of kind of the bad taste in my mouth from last week makes me want to instinctually give this a sidekick. Uh, if last week didn't exist, this would get a hero. So I'm really kind of torn um, on the way. So I think I have to base it off of the way that we talk about these shows is weekly. So I would say this week gets a hero if it was a personal thing carrying from where the season was to what this episode did to continue. Um, I, I think it would be a different story. So we're going to say a low hero. OK, yeah, I'm right around the same ballpark. I tried to separate it from last week as much as possible. It gets very difficult to do that. So I'm I'm giving it a low hero as well. I think there was definitely some improvement, but man, there's still some struggling in this writing that uh that needs to be fixed and hopefully <clears throat> that's one of the reasons why we're kind of getting a break from the two uh, uh, the season's already shot so we're not getting any changes to the show as i mentioned last week but hopefully this two weeks off that they're taking is going to be as you like to put it a little bit of a palate cleanser and we can come back refreshed from the show and it's a little bit more revived when it comes back right and i, I think i you know like i said i'm not you know, disappointed that there's no episode of Arrow next week. I think, really, in general, I need I, I need a, a week or two away from it to kind of let the past kind of go away. We gotta let the dust settle. Yeah, and really, that's what it is. So, but we'll get into that when we we break that down in full. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's start breaking down the episodes. Talk a little bit more about them. Going back to the beginning with Legends of Tomorrow, season three, episode thirteen, titled "No Country for Old Dads," which is perfect. Uh, after being taken hostage by the Darks, Ray teams with Nora to fix the fire totem in 1960s East Germany and comes face to face with a younger and deadlier version of Damien. Uh, IMDB gave this an 8.6 out of 10, while IGN gave this an 8.9 out of 10. So both legend category from, from both of them as well. Um, but yeah, so much fun. And I got to say right off the bat, you, I, you mentioned this in prep and I was going to mention this during the discussion anyway. So Man, Wally is a perfect fit for the Wave Rider. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a ton to do this week, but we're still getting, like, you know, he's still kind of 
<clears throat> excuse me, settling in. Um, yeah. But as he's kind of settling in now, uh, yeah, you're right. It's exactly just that what we saw him last week and now this week, he is exactly the right fit for the show. It, you know, Legends has that ability to bring out the best of these characters. Um, I think it's just that team dynamic that the way that they build it here versus the other shows was built from the start that way instead of kind of evolving into it. So I think there is a little bit more room for constant growth, and it's because they're also the lovable misfits that are constantly around. And even if they bring that up, Wally kind of like, I don't think I belong here. And it was just kind of Sarah breaking down. This is exactly how this played out for everybody when we all joined. Everybody yeah. hated each other. Everybody was a total F up. You know, that's exactly how these people are, and they know it, and they embrace it. And that's why the show works, and Wally's going to fit into this mix so incredibly well. Uh, and I think... The stories that we're going to see from him here and continue on are only going to be more and more interesting. So I really can't can't wait to see uh, Keenan's path, uh, Keenan Lonsdale's path through the rest of the season and hopefully next. So, yeah, uh, you know, as we mentioned, too, there, there was a lot of stuff that happens. A lot of this that episode revolves around uh, Ray, Nora and Damien and Damien running face to face with his older assassin self from the 60s pre-magic and anything like that which was some of the best moments from the show there were there were a lot of moments from this episode that came uh from two different points um we had the the interactions between nora and ray aka brandon routh and courtney ford who if you don't know are married in real life so I absolutely loved, and I said this before, I said this on a previous episode, I'd like to see more interaction between the two of them because they're married in real life. And we totally got that this episode. Um, you know, we got Brandon Ralph playing the meek and mild character to Nora, who was obviously the more badass of the two, until the end. And... Well, if you go back to the very end, Nora is still the bigger badass of the two. Uh, yeah, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we'll talk about the stinger in a minute. But I love the fact that we got the two of them playing off of each other throughout the course of this entire episode. It was a lot of fun to watch knowing that they're married in real life. So, And then on the other hand, you had more – you had the interactions between the two of them and Neil McDonough, a.k.a. Damian Dark – and you had the interactions of Neil McDonough with Neil McDonough, which were fantastic. At the same time, there were so many interactions between the Dark family and Ray that made this episode so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. There was no question about that in my mind. I think, you know, we were even saying too in, in prep talk today that Neil McDonough is the exact right big bad that seems to need to be a part of the show. Not like ha absolutely has to but should be a part of the show going forward. This is his second season now on Legends, and I now can't picture a season without him. I generally really can't. His you know, delivery, his comedic timing, it just fits so beautifully with the rest of the cast, and I really, really hope that they look at that if the show comes back for next year uh, in renewal, that he is indeed a part of it in some way, shape, or form. I would love to see him, the person in charge of creating a new legion of doom every year because man his humor and his everything is just flawless and perfect absolutely perfect oh yeah absolutely he he should be the leader of the of the just uh, um legion of doom as you mentioned it should be like <coughs> excuse me 
He puts together a team every year, and it fails, so he just puts together another team. Uh, but he should be, in essence, I think it would also be a weird twist, and it would be very odd to see. It'll never happen, but if they can make it work somehow, I would love to see Damian Dark on the Wave Rider. I don't okay. know how you could do it. I but, was kind of thinking the same thing, and I kind of think that would be pretty awesome, especially to watch the interactions between him and Sarah. Exactly. Uh, it would take so much for that to happen. But, man, I, I'm just curious. But I just all I just hope is it, the very bare minimum, he is not killed off. Uh, just find a way for him to be able to be around as long as humanly possible. So. Yeah, I, I want to see that, too. Like, I want to see, like, the whole moment in the season finale of this, like, the whole curse you legends, I'll return. Like, you know, like... um uh like Skeletor at the end of every He-Man episode. You know, the the battle stops, the war ends, and the war is won, but the main person who stops it gets away. And Neil's always the one that gets away. Damien's always the one that gets away. You really went to Skeletor? Not like even like Dr. Claw. Like not like a next time gadget next time. Oh, <laughs> I could yeah, I could have gone there too. That would have been so much better. Uh, so that, that's all right. But yeah, you're absolutely right. So um <laughs> God, like I, I'm, we're jumping all over the place in this, but I know. so because there's there's just so much fun stuff I that think, happens. I think the main reason is because in this episode alone, it, it's that overprotective father, but we're doing it through the villain's eyes, which is kind of unique. I can't think of the last time I saw that kind of breakdown in this manner. I mean, I know it's definitely been done. I'm sure people can come up with a ton of representations of this, but I think it was done in such a wildly different way uh, that was just unique uh, you know all around on how this played out because he's such an over-the-top villain that was just fun to watch him sit there and kill somebody or slam their bodies up and down you know in a room or side to side kind of joking at the upswipes and tinder kind of joke yeah it's <laughs> uh, from ray's old boss as you know he's whipping a man's corpse pretty much you know into the ceiling into the floor you know side to side in the walls it's it was just unique and fun to watch, but then you know later that episode, having him kind of go through a therapy session with a corpse. That was everything about this was so ludicrous and over the top and silly that it just was so much fun, and it was hard not to enjoy every second as that happened. But it was just also Ray being the the playing therapist to Nora and Damien throughout this episode added to that that sense of just ridiculous humor. That the show just pulls off lawlessly and it built to something kind of touching, which was kind of unexpected. Uh, well, actually, incredibly unexpected. I, I don't think you ever view Damien as a sympathetic villain, and you kind of did by the end of this episode. Well, not only that, but I mean, it, I think we got a little bit of a taste of that last week, and we didn't bring this up last week, but at the end of the episode last week, when Ray is bringing the antidote to the nano gun that he shot Nora with, you have that particular moment, and this is the beginning of that sympathetic dad, the sympathetic villain, is you see that moment where Damien is clutching Nora, and, you know, Ray is about to go into this whole spiel, like, I will I will save Nora if you give me back, um, you know, the totem. And before Ray even finishes it, the Damien has tossed the totem to him. Right. Like, they're obviously, Damien Dark has a plan, but there are more important things to that plan, such as Nora. 
So right. we we got a little bit of a taste of that sympathetic villain last week, and we're we got a just a much bigger chunk of it this time around. Yeah, I man, I, God, I love this show. I mean, I, I feel like I'm just geeking out more than anything else than reviewing it, but it was it was done so awesomely, and I really loved that rooftop scene that we get later on as you know that assassin is going after uh, the the inventor of Cold Fusion. Uh, which is something we haven't even talked about yet, which is the whole reason for this whole whole episode is them finding a way to repair that fire totem. And in that process, you know, Damien is confronted with a younger version of himself uh, and he is throwing Nora off the building. And it's Damien, like, oh, you know, the Damien that we are consistently aware of trying to save his daughter and combat himself uh, as he put at a character or a version of himself that is prime. It was very unique and interesting to see because it was there was never a moment that you thought he would ever let her down. And it wasn't until she even stated, I have this, uh, when she kind of finally connects with, you know, uh, Vixen's totem that we see her kind of be able to harness that power. Uh, and it was but that whole play out of that couple minutes on screen just played so perfectly because you really got an understanding for how much they truly care about each other um, before kind of Mollus takes over at the end. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're you're absolutely right, and that rooftop scene was probably one of my favorite scenes of this entire thing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned Professor Vogel, I think was his name, right. uh, who was the inventor of the Cold Fusion, which obviously is going to play out into a further episode because by the end of the episode, Ray actually has the formula for Cold Fusion. So we're going to see that play out. I'm assuming in seeing the totem uh, that we know by the end as a souvenir. Uh, nice little Wally reference there that we got with that in that, you know, we found out that Wally picked Vogel's, uh, Damien's pocket as mm-hmm. he was removing Ray from the situation. The first taste of that we got of Ray or of Wally as a speedster with the legends, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see the broken totem returned to the wave rider. We know the cold fusion is going to play a part of that. So now going into that a little bit, what do we think we're going to see? Are we going to see, um, since, um, since Amaya doesn't have the water totem anymore, is she going to wield, or well, not the water totem? She didn't have the water totem, did she? No, that was uh, mm. that's um, she kind of had the spirit. Kuasa, yeah, is the one that I think that's how they refer to as Vixen's totem is the spirit totem. I believe. Yeah, Kuasa has the water totem. Right. Um, yeah, since she doesn't have the spirit totem anymore, do we think we're going to see Amaya wield the fire totem? I think that's kind of what they're building to. I think that's what we'll see for at least a short period of time, and then they'll just kind of go from there. And, I, you know, I, I have a feeling once they get Amaya's totem back, I do think we know exactly who is going to hold that fire totem in the family. <laughs> As we discussed last week, it's more than likely we know Jax will be back. Uh, at least for the finale, and I'm sure that's when we're going to see him make an appearance again somewhat as Firestorm, kind of. Uh, but I think that's still going to play out, and I think it's the way it's going to play out will be incredibly fun and unique. So that would be awesome if that is the case, and it is Jax that's going to wield the fire totem and become. I, I think it would have to be almost like a different form of firestorm as well. Right. I think we're going to see a very altered take on him, and it's going to probably be a one-off. I don't think this is this means Jax is coming back. I think this is just a this is kind of his bow. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna to need team. somebody who can wield the fire totem, and who better than the guy who was Firestorm? 
Right. And I think it's it's going to be one of those wow moments. I mean, already just from the fact that we know Jonah Hex and John Constantine. Constantine and Jefferson are all going to be a part of this finale. This I think this is the finale I am so and most excited for without question. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm right there with you as well. Uh, I know there was a couple fun moments that happened in the beginning of the episode, too. Obviously, we had Zari walking in on Ava and Sarah together, which uh, at, the, at the moment that we're recording right now, you've already heard what the line of the week is. Again, you know it before we do because we haven't decided on what it's going to be. Uh, it's most likely going to be one of two things. It's going to be – and they come from the same scene. It's either going to be the moment where uh, the Zari – realizes that Ava is in the room or it's going to be the phone call that Ray left in which uh, there was a funny moment in which he says like Damien also asked me or Damien also asked me if I wanted to go to a Grateful Dead concert which I thought was kind of odd <laughs> <laughs> which we find now obviously was a ploy to kind of lead them in, in the wrong direction because we we later see um Nate and Mick returning from a Grateful Dead costume, uh, Grateful Dead concert, and Mick having stole um, Garcia's glasses. Garcia's, yeah. <laughs> Garcia's glasses. So, uh, but yeah, we got a lot of fun moments. But I think one of the things that we have to touch on because we've never this is something that hasn't come up before. Before the stinger, by the end of the episode, obviously we see that Grodd has returned. You got your wish from last week. Because you had made mention, like, we haven't seen Grodd in a while. And, of yeah. course, now he's back. Uh, he's kind of smashed the leader of the Time Bureau as well as a number of other agents. Uh, uh, which more than smashed, probably uh, liquefied into a nice little bloody pulp. Probably. <laughs> so. uh, but this now puts Ava Sharp as the leader of the Time Bureau. She is now the head of the Time Bureau. And by the end of this episode, we see a little moment with Mick, or with Rip. That apparently there is more to Ava that we don't know about. And uh, yeah, and I, I one of those moments that you're now wondering a thousand and one things uh, because uh, it's it, we now know that there's probably some form of tie to who she is as a character and maybe even to Sarah. I, I, I don't know. That's I, I'm, what I'm thinking. There's a tie to Sarah some way, shape, or form. So it is. Uh, Unique and interesting, so I, I I'm I, I have no idea what it's going to be. I just as long as I hope it's not a family member and there's weird <laughs> things going yes. on. Yes, I was so. thinking that as well. I was like, I'm like, oh, I'm like maybe she's related to. Se no, that can't be good. Like that, <laughs> that that can't be good. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I, I'm in a complete blank when it comes to what the possibility of the truth behind Ava is, but we see that Rip has decided to delete a file from Gideon that reveals what it is. And we, we, we still don't know. So I, I don't have any predictions for this. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm a little torn to see um, where my brain goes on this. I, I thought about it multiple times during this week, but I, I right now I have zero idea. Uh, and I actually really love that, though. Not having an idea where it's going to go uh, makes things a lot more exciting for the future. Yeah. Uh, but we'd be interested to hear what you guys think the connection might be. Uh, and that's where Cheap Plug, our DC primetime voicemail, comes in. Uh, so if you had guys have any <clears throat> excuse me, any predictions on what you think the truth behind Ava might be. <clears throat> excuse me. God, man. Yeah, my throat's doing the same thing this week, too. It get is that out quite of the way. okay. Yeah, yeah, we just got hit with a Nor'eastern, and we might be getting hit with another one soon. So it's it's going around. Uh, but, yeah, it's 
uh, we'd be interested to hear what your thoughts on the prediction of what the connection with Ava and the rest of the legends might be, the truth behind Ava. Uh, give us a call on our voicemail and let us know, 888-247-5380. What are your predictions for that? Uh, but anything else about legends before we move on to The Flash? No, I'm just ready for tomorrow night for uh, for the next episode. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm on board and ready. Yep, so. same with me. Uh, all right, let's move on then to the Flash. Uh, as we had mentioned, season four, episode fifteen, titled "Enter Flash Time." Barry, Jesse Quick, and Jay Garrick slow down time when a nuclear bomb detonates in downtown Central City. Uh, IMDb gave this a nine point two, while IGN gave this an eight point nine. So again, um, another legendary rating from both. Uh, so, it, oh God, this episode again, as you had mentioned, high, uh, high par ratings on this when it comes to total episodes. Uh, this show has had between the end of season one and the end of this current season, 92 episodes in total. Uh, there will be by the end of the season. I don't know what that puts this episode at. Maybe I think maybe like around 85 or such, but out of somewhere 80 plus episodes, you're absolutely right. This is a top five episode for sure. Yeah, without question. And maybe even top three, in my opinion. I, I think, you know, when we found out that we were going to see Jay and Jesse back in the mix this week, and when we got into this episode, you know, both of those characters bowed out fairly quick into the episode. But I, I think that initially was kind of a bit of a shock. I was like, oh man, I want to see a lot of these characters. But you know what? It played out so perfect and so correct and so right. It got the story back on the focus to Barry completely. And it did so in a way where we had to watch him realize that there might not be anything he can do. And he had these moments and these beautiful one-on-one moments with just about every cast member, with the exception of Joe, uh, which was, I think, the, the only slight disappointment I even had with the episode is I would have loved to have seen just a little bit more time uh, that he could have played with uh, the situation at hand as you know the world has basically had to come to a stop um as he's kind of reflecting on what's about to happen yeah no and i didn't even really pick up on that to be honest with you until until right now when you mentioned that that he did spend a lot of time with everybody with the exception of joe um and it doesn't really bother me that that no didn't happen. It, 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 it's, it really doesn't. It's just one of those things. Is man, I wish we could have had like another ten, ten more minutes to explore a few things, or even um, five more minutes, just to have that moment. You know. Yeah, and it, it's just you know, it, it was. I think the way that this played out though was it was kind of flawless though. You know, we have this villain come into the mix that actually detonates a nuclear bomb that is going to wipe out the entirety of the city. And having the team just be too late and finding a way to resolve a situation like this. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mentioned this in prep too. A lot of something that a lot of people might not realize too is that this villain that we got, the one who detonates the bomb, this is a Green Arrow villain. Um, it's she's a very undercut villain. She's not a very popular villain, at least that I don't know. But Veronica Dale, uh, the character that is the one that sets off. This is um, she is uh, she is a a, um, a an arrow villain as I mentioned, and I think her she had another name. I have it um, bookmarked. That's I'm trying to find. Uh, Hi, <laughs> um, Hyrax is her villain name. So I don't know. Uh, she, apparently, she, she is, 
everything is pretty true to how it was in um she's the leader of the Eden Corps, which she does mention in the episode. Uh and she's an eco terrorist, yeah, um that uh goes up against Oliver Queen. Uh, or no, it, Eden Corps was a. I'm I'm reading this now. Eden Corps was a eco terrorist organization that Oliver Queen, aka Green Arrow, was tasked with infiltrating. So Oliver and apparently Oliver developed a romantic relationship with Veronica uh, at the point that he was uh, infiltrating this. So I'm glad that they didn't go into all of that. The episode itself was not a throwaway episode, but I think the villain kind of was. Yeah, I mean, you know, the grand scheme of things, you know, the whole purpose of what they were attempting in this was Barry trying to find a way to run fast enough to jump through a breach uh, to be able to kind of catch DeVoe as he's kind of flashing in and out of his, his you know, current plane to his, I guess the best way they put it is kind of an alternate dimension where he is kind of storing, uh, you know, his lab. Uh, and it's it was an interesting way to set that up because we see Barry in the last couple of weeks really pushing not just himself, but the team. Uh, you know, you see Cisco very angry in the beginning of this episode. He's like, no, we have done this far too long. We are done. He's like, my arm is tired. Um, and we see that kind of play <laughs> out later and he, where he even says, he's like, I just don't have a breach in me. And it's, you know, which turns out not to be the case. Um, it, it, you know, we see that as time is in, uh, as they put it, flash time in this episode, that it's nothing can kind of get past that fact that they're moving that quickly. And that's the only reason why um, they're able to continue, continue to do things, but people's other powers will not work because it still aren't able to get past that radius that Barry's kind of holding them in. Um, But, uh, you know, we saw this with, uh, uh, Oh my God, I can't remember her name. Um, Iris, not Iris, but uh, she was the violinist uh, that DeVoe is now. um, Oh, the mechanic. No, Oh no. Um, uh, I know who you're talking about, and yes, DeVoe's current host. Um, <laughs> yes, so uh, was it Taylor or something like that? I can't or whatever. Uh, Izzy, Izzy, Izzy. Yes, uh, I think it was like Izzy Taylor or something like that. Um, Izzy, but, Izzy Bowden. You're you're way off, but it's okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> you know what? I, I saw violin and my brain goes Taylor Davis. So it's yeah, all fine. Good. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So Izzy. Um, but we even saw Barry kind of pushing Izzy in this direction the other week when. Um, you know, he was trying to get her trained and be kind of like, this is how you have to protect yourself. That ultimately results in her being somewhat, somewhat injured. Um, and you're seeing him continuing, continuing the style push again. Uh, and that leads to kind of this moment where he kind of has to reflect on that, where it's he just has to kind of be in the moment and allow himself kind of some happiness and some joy and find ways to kind of just enjoy the, the time he has regardless which is something that's kind of been this big kind of proponent throughout the season, you know, whether he's in Iron Heights or in the real world and how, how he tries to attempt to stop DeVoe. Uh, and I think that's been the ongoing part of that. What we're starting to see from this season is a flash that is in the moment and not constantly thinking too, too far into the future. That usually kind of causes him a little bit more stress and turmoil. Yeah. So it was it was nice to see him kind of have to deal with just a single moment or a, a series of just a few short moments through an entire episode and kind of show that that's where the focus needs to be and showing that sometimes all you have to do is overcome one moment to kind of prevail. And I think it was a really unique message for the way that this episode kind of laid this out. So uh, I will say there was one thing that um, it did kind of confuse me about this episode and 
when I say it confused me, it didn't take away from the episode at all. It was just something I, I kind of couldn't wrap my head around the science of it. And then at one point in the episode, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to stop worrying about it. I don't care. The episode, I'm loving this episode. I'm, I'm not going to focus on this. And it's the fact that, <clears throat> you know, Barry and Jesse and Jay are all in flash time. And we, you know, it puts everybody in the world around them at a standstill because they're moving so fast that technically everybody is still moving, but they're moving so slowly because he's moving so fast. And then there are moments where, you know, Barry sends Jesse off to Earth 3 to go get Jay, and she runs off like the Flash, but you're already in Flash time. Yeah, that was so, a little confusing. <clears throat> My brain did that moment, too. I'm like, wait, huh? I'm like, well, I guess they need to kind of still show, visually show something, because it can't just be kind of like, hey, the portal opens, but, you know, it's... It, it, you know, I, I still understood why they did it. I think it's more a visual representation than it is anything else. So. But you're already running at the speed that the Flash can run. You can run that much faster? Like, I, there's there's that much more speed past it? How come he's having these issues? Again, I, again, with, I think it purely all it is is a visual representation. And it was just maybe the it was just the wrong choice for the visual representation. But, you know what, hey, it, yeah, it was I, what it was. Um, that's the only, that was like my only real gripe I had, uh, aside from hoping for a quick moment with Joe, but even when there was, you know, the Joe angle of it at all, like there's a moment where Barry looks like he's about to touch him. He's like, no, I, I don't have time. Um, but like you, you saw him reflect upon it though. Um, but yeah, no, the Jesse thing was a little confusing, but you know what? It was such a small moment to bring, uh, another awesome character into the mix, and well, that's... it wasn't just Jesse though. Barry does it later too. Yeah, well, Barry does know. it a number of times throughout the episode. Well, we also don't don't know too. And here's a if you want to split hairs with it, they also don't say how much of their speed they're using at that moment. To... And that's and that's kind of why but, I threw it away. And it's kind of like, hey, you know, we can run faster because if they run too fast, they open a breach. You know, in which. Uh, he actually does. He opens a breach into the speed force. So it, it's just pushing himself that much more. And I think the reason you don't see them do that consistently through this episode is for a very key reason. You see them having to stay in this state so long that it is causing their bodies to start giving up, which is what we see happen with Jay. Uh, and a really smart and brilliant representation of that is we see Jay sweating early on and as it just gets to that point later on when they're all like, well, how do we stop this? What if we all throw a lightning bolt at this thing and kind of shut this down? And we see Jay's body just kind of give up on him. He's like, sorry, guys. He's like, I'm just not, I'm not, you know, this young pup that can do it like you guys can. I've been doing this for a really long time. He's like, I, I got to sit this race out. And it it was a really sad but kind of touching moment because it was just, we saw where this was going the moment that this was uttered. Uh, and it made I, me I, disappointed I, and sad. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like you can't take him off the board. I actually saw where this is going the moment I saw him sweat. Um, <clears throat> and it really worried me at first because I didn't know it was going to be something that he was just going to stop and say like, okay, I can't do this any longer. I was legit worried that something was going to happen to Jay. Yeah. Uh, I, I was really worried like – and forgive me for you know us for like being personal about it but like i honestly i was really worried something was going to happen to jay i was really worried that something was going to happen to his character uh and not just 
what what does happen. I was worried that maybe like his character was going to die or become seriously injured or whatever. And I was like, I'm like, no, I don't want to have to talk to John Wesley Ship about this. Um, but I'm really glad things turned out that the way they did. And I, I really love the fact that, as you mentioned, we did see both of these characters kind of bow out at different times. We saw Jay bow out a little bit earlier because he's not a young pup anymore, as you mentioned. He's been doing this for a very long time. He can't do it as long as everybody else. We see him bow out because he's older and he's tired. We see Jesse bow out, but we see Jesse bow out for a completely different reason. And her reasoning is because she was feeling this disconnect with her father, with with Wells, in the earlier parts of this episode. And when she sees Wells and she realizes she can't do what Barry can, and that's bring people into flash time, because she does try it with Wells, and it doesn't work. And that's when she kind of realizes that if this doesn't, if if we can't fix this, I want my final moments to be with my father. Right. And it's, you know, and even the, the whole statement of her getting to that point, it, it's not really even her breaking away from Barry. It's Barry telling her the world needs a flash, essentially. And it says you, you need to you need to break away and you need to get back to your Earth uh, and, and be safe. You're one of the only people that can get out of this situation. So it was very uniquely done. But I mean, one of the things that we got to get into a little bit too with Jay is one of those ideas that, you know, Harry has is just throw the bomb into the speed force and Jay just being adamantly against every part of that. I mean, so one thing that's very different from, you know, John John Wesley Ship's version of Jade Garrick versus Henry, where Henry's very warm. Jay is very like, no, this is not how this works. And it is very matter of fact about it. It is like that is not an option. That is not a you know a possibility at all. This is this is not the way we're doing. This is not what we're doing from a very seasoned hero um, and is coming at it from an angle that nobody else can come from. Having having this kind of old guard, a part of Flash's life really changes things and puts things into perspective in interesting ways. And he even tells us in that moment, the moment that you do this, if this goes poorly, not only is the speed force destroyed or potentially destroyed, there's a possibility if that does happen that every speedster across the multiverse loses their access to their abilities which now puts more people in harm because of what these speedsters are doing as heroes so it, it is a very alternate take on on everything which was i really love watching that go uh, that go between between a young flash and, and a seasoned flash i think that makes it very unique to watch uh barry kind of be in the middle of all of this you know jesse is kind of you know the rookie and all of this and not really even much a rookie anymore but uh you know she she's kind of you know barry's got well kind of i'll put it this way it puts barry as kind of like the middle child in, in this situation on how how to best deal with it and he's just kind of like well regardless whatever happens is uh this isn't going to end well and they all kind of come to terms with that on their own and i think that was kind of a unique unique way to watch this and i think honestly too one of the things that really came out of this episode is some really beautiful moments between barry and iris again and i think when they have a chance to really shine they really shine bright in this show when they give them that those time those times to really focus and i think we saw a lot of that last season and we're starting to see a lot of it again this season but this was the moment that i think between these two characters that we haven't seen since <laughs> the runaway dinosaur where you watch these two really just have these amazing moments together so yeah and i'm glad that you brought that up too because i I, one of the things that i've made bones about in the past too is the whole we are the flash thing and that was mentioned again in this episode but 
I'm willing to let that slide in this episode because, I mean, again, <clears throat> I, I've made that I've, – I've stated my problem with that before is that, no, it, it's not we are the Flash. Barry is the Flash. Uh, you just happen I, I, to be his wife. I still, and I, I – yeah, I know where, where you kind of stand on it yeah. too. And I kind of go along with that in this episode too because we do get that moment at the end where Barry brings Iris into Flash time. <clears throat> and in essence, it's actually Iris that gives Barry the idea on how to stop it. So, because Barry was at a loss. Barry was ready to say his goodbye to Iris because he was given up. He couldn't do it. And then in the conversation that they had, it's Iris that gives Barry the inspiration on the lightning bolt through the Speed Force to kind of stop this blast. So if that, with that being said, in that particular moment, we are Flash exists. And it's totally true. Uh, Well, I think ultimately, too, to kind of add to that, kind of thought process i mean we, you've kind of been seeing that kind of build throughout this season uh iris now kind of being a large part of team flash from the inside to help kind of help calling the shots even in barry's absence it's kind of keep was keeping his memory on uh ongoing while he was you know uh, locked away in speed force or locked away in iron heights she was one of the things that kept that team going uh it kind of had to be the continue uh, continued side of barry when he was not able to be present and i think that really culminated in this moment that we saw here so i think that statement now kind of rings true um i mean it was maybe an odd start to it all but i think it 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 culminated in a big way by the end of by the end of this episode yeah i've again i've changed my stance on Mm -hmm. it i'm I'm okay with it now after after this um i think two more things that we need to talk about before we move on because we've already spent a lot of time on the flash but Mm -hmm. um and it's okay because we're not again black lightning there's a lot that happened but we probably won't spend a lot of a lot of time on it um <clears throat> two things that we need to talk about both things happening at the end of the episode we get that moment with Jesse and Wells which again as i mentioned and you we both talked about when we were reviewing this episode and giving it a rating that moment it's nothing but two characters as you mentioned with weird things on their head simply holding hands I have never I haven't gotten feels like that for a while from this show. And it was so simplistic in the way it was done in that there was nothing but just two characters sitting. There was some voiceover in the background, but there were no visual representations. It's amazing to me how something as again simplistic as a scene like that can give me the feels that it did. Yeah. It was incredibly touching and incredibly well done. Uh, and no, go ahead. I, I think I was going to say, you know, you mentioned the last time I had like raw emotion like that from the show was actually last season with another Kavanaugh moment when we saw HR pass. Yeah. Uh, when he he sacrificed himself against Savitar and big shock. Tom Kavanaugh uh, brings us to tears. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, that, of course, that was one of my favorite moments of the episode. But of course, we have the stinger at the end as well, which we're, we're getting an introduction, further introduction into another character, which I love IMDb for the simple reason that they have her listed as something different every time she shows up. Uh, she was the caterer at the wedding. She was... Uh, the last time we saw her on The Flash, she was Pay It Forward Woman, and this time she is Nervous Coffee Patron. We are, again, seeing this mystery character, who I've seen a couple theories on, 
And one of them actually plays into next week's episode and could kind of play a little bit into this week's episode, too, because by the end of this episode, we see Jay Garrick kind of take a step back and he's like, I'm too old for this, but I need to train the next person. Excuse me, man, I got to I need to drink water or something. Um, we we hear him like say that he's going to train the next the next Flash, and she is going to be good at this. There's this ongoing theory that the person that we are meeting <clears throat> again this week in the the stinger of the show is one of two people. I've I've made my prediction that I think it's Dawn Allen. I think it is the daughter <clears throat> of Barry and Iris. You seem to think it could be the granddaughter. Of Barry and Iris. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a 50-50 split between Dawn or Excess. I, I think right now... This it could go either way. Right. And it's just the only reason I even state that is, too, at the wedding when she meets Barry, it's just kind of like, wait a second, you're, you're, you're Barry Allen. I was like, wow, you're so young. Um, you would know your, your parent when you, when you see them. So it, it adds a lot of questions to that, that angle. So I, I, I generally have no idea. Yeah, um, I, I don't know either. So it's, but it's very interesting because the the theory that I heard is that what plays into this week's episode and next week's episode in that character is that whoever this character is, whether she's the daughter, she's the granddaughter, is that we see in next in this week's episode of the Flash, we're going to see Iris take the powers of Barry. She's going to get her own suit because of this. Uh, the theory that I've seen is that the suit that Iris dons in this upcoming episode of The Flash will eventually be passed on to this character when she becomes the new Flash on Earth 3. Interesting. That could be a really cool twist. Uh, you know what? Like I said, I'm, I'm really honestly just looking forward to seeing this play out. We've even heard behind the scenes this character in the scripts is just referred to as Mystery Girl. Uh, yeah. mo- most of the cast apparently does not know uh, at all who she was as of the time of that article coming up, which was about a month ago. So um, I'm sure at this point most of those people know exactly who she is. But I think right now we're all just waiting for that to play out. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the, the, the character that plays the, the mystery woman, Jessica Parker Kennedy, uh, I looked at her IMDb a little bit earlier, too, and I don't know, you you should know this character, this actress already. Uh, she has always looked familiar. I just don't remember from where. She's <laughs> she's on Black Sails. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. So uh, y- she should already be familiar f- familiar to you. I still have to watch Black Sails. Ah, okay. Never mind. I know exactly who she is. Uh, <laughs> yep. And that all just clicked in my brain. It's because she speaks with a really heavy accent in Black Sails. Um, okay, cool. I know exactly who she is now. There you go. I, I so, will have to bring that up to my wife. And when that clicks in her brain, she'll be like, wait a second. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's we still don't know who this character is. And IMDB doesn't have her listed as any episodes past and her flash time. IMDB is smart. They're not listing the episodes until they air because they're not they they're not giving it away. Mm-hmm. So we don't know when the next time she's going to show up. And we don't know who she is. So I'm loving the fact that this is still a mystery. It's great that there are theories out there, but I like how we don't know. Yeah. Um, But like I said, you brought up real quick because we haven't talked about uh, one of the key things, too, before we wrap this up is um, the way that they kind of stopped the situation of this episode is Barry breaching into the speed force and pulling out that that orb that basically was encoded with Barry's DNA, which was keeping the speed force stable. Uh, now that that's been ripped out of the speed force and that lightning decimated the uh, 
you know, that that nuclear bomb that goes off. Do we think there's still going to be big ramifications in the Speed Force still in this season? Because now um, there's Barry is not present. That person is missing inside the Speed Force. Well, wait, wait, hold on. Barry is not present. He he only went into the Speed Force to get the lightning. No, well, he didn't get the lightning. He got the orb that was encoded with his DNA, which was keeping the Speed Force stable. Oh, that's right. So now there, yeah. So now, now there, there is, is no representation of Barry or or Barry's genetic mark inside the Speed Force that was keeping it stable. So the question is, what happens from here on out? Because that's that's kind of a big big issue that's hanging over the show at the moment uh, that I haven't seen anybody really bring up or talk about. So I'm really curious on how that's going to play off because that's not something they can just sweep under the rug. That was why Barry wasn't there at the start of the season. It was why the season ended the way it did last year. That's that's kind of urgent. So I'm or, wondering or how do this we... is going to play off. Or do we think that that was kind of how they wrapped up the situation? Because that lightning that was around it was kind of the prison that he was stuck in, and that's what he drew out. So is there, in essence, no longer a prison in the Speed Force that they have to concern themselves with? Uh, Well, I mean, I think the Speed Force itself is the prison, so I think just a couple of lightning bolts surrounding it, that would seem a little odd. That That would be such an odd kind of way to end that situation and it doesn't really click for me so i do hope they at least bring it up and kind of discuss this sometime soon because i think it's kind of important uh because you shouldn't have to be left to try to reflect and come up with a solution on your own because that was just not addressed whatsoever so okay no that's that's an interesting thing that i didn't even really think about at the time Mm -hmm. so yeah it'll be interesting to see how they play upon that in the future and if there are ramifications of it yeah, so, and, and I think as far as, you know, Jay's, Jay's fate, uh, just tune into the interview because we'll get into that pretty heavily, I'm sure, tomorrow night. Yeah, so. yeah, because I'm, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with the character from this point forward. Right. So, uh, all right, let's jump forward now and talk about Black Lightning. Uh, Equinox, The Book of Fate, Season 1, Episode 7. Black Lightning's pursuit of Tobias continues, and Nissa continues to find herself in the new normal. Uh, IMDb gave this a 7.9, while we have no idea what IGN gave it because they stopped ranking it. Uh, so yeah, uh, again, these episodes to me, as I'm watching are not full of things for us to break down, such as like the flash or arrow and things like that. There's a lot that happens, but they're everything that happens in the episodes are pretty straightforward and I'm okay with that because this is a first season. This is a season one. You don't need to get too complicated in the first season. Right. I mean, this episode was just really about honestly two points uh and i think point one would be the pierce family coming to terms well lynn and 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 jeff coming to terms with anissa's powers and kind of figuring out what they need to do to continue to protect their daughter but also allowing her to be herself and a massive power shift between lady eve and tobias um which was another completely separate thread that had a massive, massive change. Uh, I mean, as I stated just a second ago, a power shift is is putting it lightly. Uh, A character who we thought was the big bad, but was also kind of keeping evil at bay somewhat in an odd way, uh, is now off the board completely. Or so we think. Um, We'll get to that at the end of this. Yeah. Because apparently uh, people being off the board is not exactly what we expected uh, by the end of this episode, which is what easily tip this into legend territory because it was uh something i would never have guessed or saw coming so 
but I would say, I you know, I, I, I don't know if you agree with that's really what this episode really kind of boiled down to. And I think it was really brilliant to watch Anissa kind of talk to both her father and mother uh, and kind of re- come to that realization in those terms that black lightning is the reason that her family is separated and kind of knowing that she has to take that in, you know, upon herself as a hero that her future could be severely damaged and coming to terms with that by the end of the episode that her happiness is not going to matter as much, but she still tries to hold on to that a little bit when she contacts Grace over the phone real quick just to kind of say, hey, I was still thinking about you, knowing that her life is about to become incredibly complicated. So I'm really absolutely loving Anissa as a character. I think she is a really good viewpoint for the, uh, the audience to kind of look through her eyes in the situation that's kind of laid out in addition to being able to look through Jefferson's eyes. Um, but by the end of the episode, we know that we're going to have this really dynamic father daughter superhero team, which is going to be so much fun to watch because they're yeah, both absolutely. so incredibly likable. Um, uh, but man, I, I, I don't know if you have anything more to add to that, but I, I thought this was such a beautifully written family, you know, dynamic between these three characters, you know, hands down. I love the, the, you know, the social interaction and the family interactions and the heart that we see through so many of these CW shows that we talk about every week. But I think this show is nailing it almost better than every other one. There's never a moment that passes that I do not enjoy these characters or do not love these characters for who, exactly who they are. No, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, everything that you said about the, the family dynamic of the characters is is right on point. We're we're getting to see, as you mentioned, and this is is realizing that it's her father being Black Lightning that kind of broke up her family, but she's realizing that this is also what's in her blood. This is, as she calls it, a blessing. Uh so this is something that she's gonna have to pursue as well. And not only are we seeing two different dynamics between Anissa talking to Lynn and talking to Jefferson, we see two different points of view you know lynn is of the point of view like you 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 really shouldn't do this like you need to be trained uh you know you shouldn't be going out and doing this as you are i guess they're not two different points of view because jefferson and lynn are both in agreement that she needs to be trained uh and it's nice that you know jefferson is gonna is willing to do that and also we get gamby involved too who's going to be creating the suit that we're going to be seeing very soon and but, you know, at the same time, we see Lynn saying, like, this is what broke up our family. But on the other side of it, you see Jefferson saying, we're we can save this city. You know, so I, I don't know what the, if there really is a difference of dynamic. So I kind of take back what I said. Well, I, I think no, you're right, though. There was a difference because Lynn's the one that's really out of me against it. But we're, we're kind of watching her throughout the episode realize when she has you know, is talking to Jefferson, uh, you know, in, in Gamby's, you know, uh, Leo lab coming up to that and seeing that one statement is like, you remember when she was 10 months old and she was starting to walk, she's going to do it whether we want her to or not. And she knows that there is no way to keep her from doing this. And yeah. she, she's the one that is the catalyst for saying, Jeff, you got to do this. Cause even he's, he's against it. Um, because he's still probably feeling the remorse from almost killing his daughter accidentally, uh, you know, the episode prior to. So, and it, it that kind of boils down to Jeff is kind of like, absolutely not. And then it is that moment where you see him and Gammy confront each other where he's just like, nope, you knew Tobias was around. You know a lot more of what's happening right now. And I just don't know the level of trust I have for you. And he's just like, I'm doing this to keep you from doing something that puts you so far over the edge. 
Um, and it's true. Um, that was the moment why he realized Anissa is going to kind of keep him grounded. Um, it, he needs that little part of his soul that he's starting to lose uh, as far as going the next step, instead of this being a revenge quest, it's it's about saving saving Freeland now. So I think this is going to help, you know, evolve Jefferson as a character as much as it's going to help evolve Anissa as becoming a hero. So one person's kind of becoming more of a hero, the other one's kind of getting reattached to humanity uh, before all this kind of kicked off at the start of the season. So I think this is going to be a really beautiful way to tell the story. But I think one of the things we got to really jump into is Gammy because <laughs> yeah absolutely man, uh james remar just coming in like a badass and taking down joey toledo uh, <laughs> and honestly it was kind of cool i don't know if you kind of looked at this but the way that he walked into that room and the way that he's dressed he kind of looked like the shadow the shadow yes and i loved that i thought that yep. was such a cool little visual look to him if that was a red red handkerchief uh around his face Man, that would have just been – I would have just geeked out and lost my shit. <laughs> so, yeah, because the, the moment I saw him, I thought the same exact thing. I was like, oh, he looks like the shadow. Yeah. I'm like, that's kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean there's definitely – I've been saying this for the past couple weeks. There is more to Gamby than we know. Absolutely. Uh, and we hear that there's – even uh, Tobias kind of brings it up too that they can't just go take out Lady Eve – uh, because he brings up the name of kind of like it was like a, the it was the Black Shadow organization or something along those lines. I it was it happened so quick and I forgot to rewind and catch exactly what they called it. Um, but it was their their power is much bigger than than Gamby and Lady Eve and all this mix, and uh, and Tobias knows it. And the way that that's gonna that played out by the end of the episode, your, your jaw was just hanging on the floor. You're like, oh damn. Um, <laughs> Things are things are about to get really rough in uh, in in Black Lightning, so, yeah, and very specifically for Black Lightning. Yeah, well, I mean, and on that note too, I mean, one of the things that we saw that that kind of came about in this episode that I wasn't expecting, and I'm actually really happy that it did because it changed my opinion on an, on the character. Is we kind of found out in this episode that Tobias is not just a a a big like. When Lady Eve was still around, it kind of looked at him as kind of just like an annoying henchman of Lady Eve's who was trying to take over power. Um, he's a legit badass. Yeah, and he's like, and, and he's just kind of been suppressed and has been under her thumb for so long. And it's just he now is a villain to fear. Yeah, he's been, and, and, he's been building towards that. But this was the episode you're like, he's kind of terrifying now, like yeah. truly terrifying. Knowing all the pieces he's got on the board. Uh, you know, they bring up the fact that, you know, he was this ex-politician that did a lot of dirty things. Uh, so they're taking that angle and playing with it in such a unique, interesting way. And the fact that he's using those strategies and those political strategies almost kind of get his pieces on the board faster than anybody else and kind of set his moves up. You know, we see he's got Khalil in the background where we know we're going to see something massive happen with the transformation with his character. Uh, you know, we saw now a character that seems fairly calm and collected and kind of the way that you see a character like Wilson Fisk for the most part. Uh, you know, he has his moments where he snaps and breaks, but, you know, we see him very vulnerable by the end of this episode. When his sister is when his sister is killed in the crossfire, when uh, his men are trying to take down Black Lightning, um, and we see him get pulled away from her, and you see how distraught he is as a character uh, when that happens. So you know the revenge angle of this is going to be massive, 
considering what was happening on the other side of the city at that time where he sets up Lady Eve to be taken down by very, very futuristic tech that now kind of makes me wonder a little bit along the lines of some of those theories that you even brought up early on. Does this take place a little bit more in the future? Um, because this is tech we haven't seen anywhere yet. We, we see these these lightning guns, these plasma guns, essentially, that are what take down Lady Eve and her her people and make it look exactly like Jefferson's the one that did it. So I, I my jaw was just on the floor. I did not expect this much massive change in a single episode. Yeah, I, I, again, it, it changes the, sca- the, the landscape of the future of this show. And I'm glad you brought up the whole future tech thing because I, I'm still thinking that I'm at least slightly right. It might not be the future of the Arrowverse, but there has to be – where is this – tech coming from where yeah where, where is this jump it, it, even if it's only five or ten years uh, it just doesn't seem like it fits anywhere and that's fine because they did say this is the lightning verse this is not the arrow verse yeah yeah exactly i mean because there, there's there ha- i mean even the tech that we saw when the show first started the tech that gamby has in the basement is more advanced than some of the tech we've seen in the rest of the Arrowverse. so I hope that we kind of get a little bit of an exploration into that a little bit in the future, or at least maybe it'll be a complete mystery as to where this fits into the time frame. But we have to know at least where this tech is coming from, because it's very obvious that what they did, these lightning guns that they have very blatantly meant to pin all of uh, Lady Eve's death on Black Lightning. So we have two changes in the front, obviously. We see a shifting of... Who's in charge of the underworld now that Lady Eve is is done? Uh, but we kind of see that it was Gamby was the one that sent Tobias to Lady Eve. Right. Um, and it's kind of a weird how the dominoes have fall. We see that Gamby is the one that sets up Lady Eve for... Um, uh, what's the character's name? Um, Johnny... Uh, Joey Toledo. Joey Toledo. Mm-hmm. Lady Eve sets up... Or Gamby takes out... Joey Toledo sets up Lady Eve. Tobias then thinks it's Lady Eve, goes to take out Lady Eve, but sets up Black Lightning. You know, makes it look like it's Black Lightning that does it. Well, it wasn't that Gamby sets up Lady Eve. It's because Lady Eve gave him that little box that had the albino bones, you know, like ground up to leave on his chest. Like she actively gave that to him. It's like, nope, we are sending him a message. And it does backfires horrendously on the two of them because it seems like honestly lady eve and 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 gamby were definitely you know in cahoots cahoots for a very long time and you know we even see like as she puts it messages him is like the cleaners are on their way and they take out the two people that attack lynn because that agreement was the pierce family 100 will always be off limits um now that is very much not the case yeah um well i mean you know tobias still needs to figure that all put those pieces together but um that protection angle is now gone uh the things that were keeping that family really safe have just completely evaporated in 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 just an instance so yeah so it's it's going to be interesting to see where the show goes now at this point uh again we're past oh go ahead i was just going to say we're past the halfway point so uh i think the arc is kind of hit the peak after this episode, and now we're we're going to be heading towards the end. Yeah, uh, I think those answers are going to start flowing in in the next couple episodes really quickly. I think we're gonna we're gonna see a big training episode next week. Um, we'll, we'll see where Tobias's organization is, and then I think we're going to start peeling back um, and start getting some resolutions to the questions that are being asked. And I do think they're coming. I really do. 
So yeah, I just realized too. I haven't looked forward at Legends or Flash either. Well, Flash we kind of did. We we did mention that it was the episode where Iris is going to be getting Barry's powers, uh, but we didn't look forward on on Legends at all. Uh, but yeah, it looks like next week for for um, for Black Lightning. It, uh, Black Lightning works for the Nissa to help her find information to clear Black Lightning's name. So it looks like they're going to be working together, which is most likely going to be a lot of training at the same time. So Yeah, and uh, uh, oh, uh, before we do that, though, we've got to talk about that big stinger at the end. So, um, Remind me. <laughs> uh, so at the very end of the episode, we go and cut to a hotel room That's... where we yes, see yes, you're right, Lala you're right. wake, uh, wake up, who was very much killed in prison by Tobias. Um, and he's kind of very distraught and confused, and that's not just one part of it. That is kind of like step one to a two-step. <laughs> oh my God, what the hell is happening? Uh, when we see Lawanda, um, a a character killed in the second episode when she was trying to save her daughter from Lala, actually, and uh, basically the the whorehouse in the city. Uh, come walking out, and it's kind of like, and you think that's kind of only the half of it, and then she kind of just evaporates and becomes a tattoo on his chest and i am very confused and very curious to see where this is all going um because yeah this is a this adds a complete new piece to this puzzle and now it's is is this a result of green light who is the meta was there a way to resurrect somebody it's just i i there's so many questions. I have so yeah. many questions at this point, but I, I'm, I'm, with the, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I, I am right there with you. I, I don't know what this means. And I was kind of in shock. And as I was watching it, I mean, I don't think this is anything supernatural, obviously, but I, it's got to be some kind of meta power. And do we know, is it Lala that had the power? Is it somebody else who had the power that brought Lala, that resurrected Lala? Uh, we, we don't know. So yeah, it's was it Lawanda? Who knows? Yeah, I very very curious so yeah but we'll see um all right let's move on to the final episode of the week that being um, arrow before you do that do you want to talk real quick on what the synopsis is for legends for next week or do we oh. no i can do that i just got to bring it back up okay. <laughs> uh so give me one second here I, I believe that is the 1950s episode where they attempt to save rock and roll if memory serves correctly. i think i think you are correct um yeah amazing grace the legends embark on a mission to save music when they learn that a tragedy destroyed tragedy destroyed memphis in 1954 uh, so it looks like, obviously, we're going to see uh, Keenan Lonsdale as Wally. Uh, we're going to see Elvis's mother, but no listing of Elvis. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know if that's if Elvis is going to be a part of the mix or not. Hmm. So uh, no Rip and no Ava. So Interesting. It'll be, yeah, we're, it looks like we're going to be taking a little bit of break from that storyline, and we'll probably continue on afterwards as the, as the episode goes on. All right, let's, let, on. let's get this last one out of the way. Yeah, uh, Arrow, Season 6, Episode 15, titled Doppelganger. Roy Harper returns to Star City, and Oliver and Thea take action to save him when they discover the reason why he's come back. Uh, IMDb gave this an 8.7, and IAGN gave it a 7.0, so they were pretty high on their rankings. Uh, again, we our rankings are kind of tainted a little bit because of the horribleness of last week. But they gave last week high rankings, too. Which I so, was very confused about. So, so it was the rest of the world. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was very. Again, there's really, there's still struggles in the writing. 
but to me, not nearly as bad as last week. Right. Last week was horrendous. I, I think you know what it was. As I think what hurt this episode as much is it treated last week almost as it just didn't happen, uh, and that was problematic. Um, they basically took Dinah's character and turned her into a character that people hate, and then they treated like Quentin, the one person that should really hate her guts right now. Um, it's like it was like it never happened. It You're was right. absolutely like it never happened, and that really bothered me because I was like, what was the point of last week? Then was there any point to it at all? Uh, aside from setting up Laurel for this episode, and that's it. That was the only purpose of it whatsoever. And it just they just absolutely treated this like sure, whatever. That's it. And, and, but it, I could tell it bothered me that much though because the moment that I saw Dinah, I hated her face. I did not want yeah. to see <laughs> Dinah Drake's character in this show at all. And they just played it up like nothing ever happened. And that was the, a severe problem here. The moment she started talking, I was instantly screaming in my head, shut the hell up. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know, and it, 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 it again, what happened with Dinah last week has ruined how I feel about this character. Uh, again, there's no coming back from it, but you're right. The show pretended like last week kind of didn't exist. You you had that scene, and we talked about it heavily last week, with Dinah hitting Quentin and unarmed, unquent, and unarmed, untrained, on his knees, Quentin, twice with a staff in the head. And then you have this week Quentin talking to her as if it never happened. And, like, and it's clear that it did he still has like you know that little stair strip and butterfly bandage on his head from where he she split his head open it it is prevalent through the entirety of his scenes and and that really severely severely bothered me um i I just i just don't know i i i'm getting angry again i i need to take a deep breath (laughs) Uh, well there, there were two there were two dynamics about this show that um one I really enjoyed, believe it or not, and then the other one kind of confused me a little bit. I can and, tell and, you probably exactly what that the one that you enjoyed was was Thea, which is and and Roy. No, actually, quite the opposite. I I actually the dynamic that I really liked, I thought was very intriguing, and I don't know why I didn't really think of it before was when we see Katie Cassidy, aka Black Siren, step into the Laurel Lance role of Earth One. What a way to come out in public. As to who you are, and it's almost like a Prometheus move in that you've now engrossed yourself into this in the public eye and kind of forced the Team Arrow, you kind of forced them to have to deal with this now. She's now out in public. She claims to be Laurel, Laurel Lance number one. The rest of the public has no idea about alternate Earths or anything like that. So you really can't come out and say, no, she's not our Laurel. She's a different Laurel. You, it's the same thing with Adrian Chase being Prometheus and the team knowing it and having to deal with him in public. You've kind of now gotten the same thing from this character. She's now in public. She's now come back. And the rest of the team has no choice but to deal with this and go along with it. And I thought almost along the same lines as Adrian Chase Prometheus, that was a brilliant move. It was. And that actually did, I think, work. And, you know, we see her playing two sides in this episode pretty heavily. We see her on, you know, kind of forcing Team Arrow's hand. Be like, look, I have Ollie's secret. I can just expose him right now, especially as everything is happening, which would be simplistic enough to do. And so they have to play nice. And then she's pulled in with Diaz. And you see that she definitely did not want to work with Diaz. 
But by the end of this episode, you know, she does the thing to, you know, does the so-called right thing to make sure that Roy is safe. Then at the same time, though, too, we see that she's working with Diaz. It is very clear, I think, that it's not as cut and dry as that. I think she is kind of like the Catwoman-esque character that's just an opportunist. Um, And I think that's what her character is. I don't think this states clear as day that her allegiance is with Diaz or uh, the team, you know, Team Arrow. And that's exactly what it's going to be. I think we're going to see her at the end of this season just being on her own, playing both sides from from nail till the end, and will just kind of disappear into the shadows, and we'll see her resurface maybe next year. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, and I'm kind of okay with that. I think that's the right um, call for her because they, if they, they, I think really need to gauge fan fan thought about everything on how this is going to play out. But I think that's the right angle for her character. Having her as an underling kind of undermines what they were trying to do with having her a big part of the season. And having her just kind of flip and go into the redemption angle immediately also undermines that character for what we've already done with her. So I think, like I said, the only way is to stay right in the middle. And it's she's just an opportunistic character that is out for herself purely. And we'll see that layer slowly pull back bit by bit. But I think it's going to be a longer road that a lot of people may want um, or expect. But I think that's the better way to do it. No, and, and I'm right there with you, too. Uh, but on the note of, of Thea... Um... There, I have two sides to this. Uh, I said last week in last week's episode, one of the things that I was okay with was the fact that Thea was the voice of reason amongst everybody. And I'm starting to figure out from this week's episode kind of what the fatal fall of this show is. Is that when it comes to these characters having to deal with something personal to them, they have no, um, they have no clear train of thought. Um, you know, you have Quentin who's dealing with Laurel of Earth 2 and he's off the rails with keeping her and trying to keep her safe. Uh, when it comes to, you know, Oliver dealing with William, he he kind of goes off the rails a bit. Thea was the voice of reason last week, but now you bring Roy into the mix and she's off the rails again. Well, it's it, it's this this show is like, as you put it, it's one of its downfalls. The moment that a plot line revolves around that character, they the writers say, well, let's remove all common sense from this character. Yeah. And that's kind of what they've done for three of these six seasons. Like, it consistently keeps happening. Uh, and it's something that they need to pay a little bit more attention to because a lot of these other shows aren't having as many issues with that. Um, and that's that's some of the big issues right now on the on the writer's side. It's they they really need to find a way to fix that problem because it's becoming very clear and very evident as it's happening. And that's that's a that's a death nail for a for a show if you can't get beyond the things. And it's 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 showing way too much. Yeah. Um but on the other hand, it looks like I think I, I don't know how this has worked out because I did read uh, listener Anne wrote her synopsis about this, and she wrote something in her synopsis that I didn't exactly see happen in this episode. She wrote in, in her synopsis of seeing Th- Willa leave with Roy. We didn't exactly see that, though. I think maybe is it kind of assumed uh, that she's leaving with Roy? I think, well, we know she's in the next episode. Um, yeah, but and I think she's listed for the next couple episodes. So I don't know. I could, I could where I, Anne had gotten that from. Well, I think they kind of 
they they set up that moment, but then that's kind of changed by the end of the episode. I think that's where everything was planning to head, and then the you know League of Assassins show up. Um, we were here the heir to Rachel Ghoul, which is Thea, you know, because Ali technically is still Rachel Ghoul. Um, so that's what it is: is you're gonna see Thea pulled into another League of Assassins plot, and I think that's exactly where it's gonna head. But if that didn't happen, that's what would have. That was those characters' goals, was to leave Star City together. Okay, so so then on a note to Anne, you are incorrect in your synopsis. <laughs> Willa is not leaving with Roy. Uh, not because yet. you're right. She, not yet. She I wouldn't is be the... surprised by season's end because we have seen Willa Holland kind of pulled more and more away from the show. Colton Haynes obviously just a quick appearance this week, so... Well, but well, no, he he is going to be returning again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the next episode when the show returns for two weeks, so we, we do get another episode with Roy. Um, but it's good; it's probably going to play. So, I mean, who knows? So maybe by the end of that episode, we could see we we could see her leave with Roy. Uh, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, that character kind of being written out into the sunset by the end of either next episode or the end of the season. So I do exactly. Yeah. I do totally see where Anne's, uh, Anne's saying it, it is. I think it's the beginning of that storyline. So uh, Anne, it hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet, but I think <laughs> I think you are indeed correct. I think that's exactly where this is about to go. I think we are about to see Thea uh, leave the mix. So okay, okay. So I can see that. But yeah, you mentioned next week too. We get to see um, Katrina Law return to the show. Mm-hmm. Not next week. Three weeks. Uh, when the show returns in three weeks. Uh, but yeah, we're going to see Katrina Law returning uh, to to the show as well as Nessa Algul, which is going to be uh, a lot of fun because I always love seeing Katrina pop up on, on the show. Um, but I'm trying to think. They're really – a well, lot of this storyline – We get it. No, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, I guess the real big thing that we haven't talk, talked about was Diaz. Um, this was his first kind of big outing as the big bad. Uh, I don't know what yeah. you think about him because uh, I just didn't care. Um, I, I just thought he just kind of seemed like a – there was no reason for me to care about him as a big bad. I think that was the big well, reason. I, well, here's my thing about that too. We got the realization that Diaz is the big bad this episode the same way that we got the realization that Tobias is the big bad in Black Lightning now. Um, you know, we see a fight and we see that Diaz can hold his own the same way Tobias did. Although Tobias came off more of a badass than Diaz. So seeing the same situation only days apart between two different shows. And for me, not even days apart. These were back to back shows that I watched. Uh, same here. Yeah. Um, you know, so seeing that happen, it's like, OK, I just got this out of Black Lightning and it was better in Black Lightning. So I kind of wrote it off a little bit. Like, I already know that Diaz is the big bad. You didn't have to further prove your point by by doing this, by having him break a character. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about Diaz. I think it's a little too too little too late at this point. Yeah, um, I mean, you just kind of unmasked who your big bad is for the season. But I don't know what makes him any different than some of the other big bads we've seen on the show. Um, that's, I think, the problem is I don't know why he's different um you know they talked about how kane james had the city under his thumb yeah we saw that play out and how, how all that happened the funds for the city just went poof um prometheus was basically running the city from the inside as the da uh and then 
Nail Diaz is basically essentially kind of a, a, a culmination of Prometheus and Malcolm Merlin. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, but like it's. I don't see why he's different uh, because it feels like every villain that they've had has known who Oliver Queen is, that Oliver Queen is the Green Arrow and everybody on his team are X. I think the only thing that they really said or that showed us was he was like he had the ability to track down Roy was the only thing unique that we know about him. And he's like, well, he's got everybody on his payroll, but that doesn't make him as doesn't make him scary, I guess, is the, the best way to put it. Yeah, I, I just don't know why he's interesting to me right now. And I, I think that's what they really need to still prove. They need to prove it quick. But I don't know if you got the same moment when they're in this abandoned old casino as he's kind of bringing people into his organization. All I could think of is sweep the leg, sweep the leg. And it just felt like <laughs> it was a neon lit Cobra Kai dojo. And that's kind of what it felt like to me. Um, side note, I'm really excited for that TV show. Uh, I am too. Well, the yeah, the it's a YouTube series. Yeah, the YouTube I am, series. Yeah. I am too. Yeah, uh, but no, no. It's, yeah, I don't know. I, I've kind of given up on the villains. I care. In all honesty, watching last week and watching this week, my sh- my interest has shifted. In that, I care less now about OTA, the outsiders, and the villains, and I'm more interested in the Black Canary storyline. I didn't think that was anything that was a possibility, but when the writing is that bad for the other storylines and you put your good writing behind Black Siren, I'm more interested in seeing where that goes than anything else. And I think what it is is the problem is it's and it's not saying the writing is purely horrible. It's just the fact that nothing has changed in almost six episodes. It is the outsiders and OTA hate each other's guts. And every time they interact with each other, it was like, I hate you, I hate you. And that feels like what the culmination of all of the writing between those characters are. And that's, there's been zero movement forward. And it feels like it's just that every week is another step back. And we even saw that in, when they're in, you know, the Arrow Cave in this episode. Where, you know, Felicity and Oliver are talking. And it, it's it's falling back on old problems again. It, it is Oliver sitting there brooding and taking everything on his shoulders. And somebody being like, you got to stop doing that. I'm like, yeah, because, you know, we haven't had a moment like this. Where it is the main character feeling sorry for himself in at least two episodes. So we should probably do it again. It, it's it, They keep rehashing the same conversations the uh, with zero movement forward. And it's they need to take a new step. They need to say, this is where this needs to go. This is how it needs to go. And these characters need to become likable because right now, really almost no one's likable. John, who's one of the most interesting characters, his big thing this week was to complain that he's not the hood now or he's not Arrow. And that's all we got from his character. You know, uh, when there was a moment, there was a chance for, you know, Black Canary and Arrow to go out in the field together. It just resulted in Arrow, uh, you know, just looking at her and be like, I don't trust you. You don't trust me. Nope, I'd rather go go with not enough people and potentially get people killed. You know, that's not what they need to be doing right now. They need to start mending these fences before season's end. They don't have a lot of time left. And now they're going to probably feel like they're going to have to shoehorn all these little dangling pieces together in a small batch of episodes. The way that we really criticize shows like Supergirl in the last couple seasons for doing. Uh Arrow is setting themselves up for that to happen. And I, I, I don't want to see them do that. I really, really don't want to see them do that. 
but they're, that's exactly the trajectory they're on right now. And the problem is that it's happening when you have a very uninteresting story. That's they're they're playing in very un uh, you know very dangerous waters right now. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, I just don't know. Again, it's not as big of a rant as we had last week on the episode, but uh, because there was some slight improvement, but that's not saying a uh, lot from last week's episode. It, it kind of brings me to uh, Paul, who does Bat Supposing Books and, and you know what lurks behind Podcast Zero. He had a statement this week. He's like, no no video rant or no rant from me this week. And it, the way that he even came across was just kind of like, I just don't know anymore. And that's kind of where even his, his post was as, as a friend that loves these shows as well. And it was just, I just, I, he's like, I, they just need new writers. And that's exactly, I think where you and me are at too. They just really need yeah. new writers because we know that these yeah. characters all can be truly outstanding characters and very in depth and diverse and unique and have really awesome goals and hopes and, Right now, I couldn't tell you what a single one of those are. Nope. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. So anything else on Arrow before we uh, we wrap this up get, and talk about yeah, news? Yeah, get better. Um, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> um, yeah, get well soon. I, if, if I could send a get well soon card to uh, the writers, I would right now. So Get well soon. Uh, but yeah, so Arrow on break for the next two weeks. So when it returns on March 29th, we will see Nessa Al Ghul return to Star City to let Thea know that a League of, Assass- that a League of Assassins are planning to attack her. Why do you put that a League of Assassins? It's the League of Assassins. Maybe it is just a way single to- League of Assassins. <laughs> yeah. way, to, way to go, IMDb. <laughs> way to flop on that one. Uh, all right, so that wraps up the talk on the shows. So let's talk the news. All right, so there's not a ton here. Uh, it's almost, I would say, 99.9% all about film universes. So let's start off with one of my absolute favorite characters. Uh, that being Michael Carter, a.k.a. Booster Gold. Uh, his movie is indeed still in the works from uh, producer Greg Berlanti, who has been working on this behind the scenes. This was initially supposed to be his directorial debut, uh, but he instead has another movie out there right now that he's going to be. He started with called Love, Simon. Um, it is. Uh, he said it is very much still in development with DC. He said there is a new draft out there that was done by Zach Stentz who wrote X-Men First Class and The Runaway Dinosaur, one of our favorite episodes of The Flash ever. And he says, we're both trying to figure out the distance that we still have to travel and how it needs to be executed. So it sounds like things are still very much early, early, early on. So this is, right now, I would say it is on the precipice of development hell. Uh, He said, basically, you know, the thing is right now, if this studio is excited, it's obvious their determination and we'll finish all the work we need to on the draft. And I'd love to get something in that space as soon as possible. I'm uh, still a little clue on how movies come together because I work in the realm of television day in and day out. Uh, I show up to work every day and make the work as good as I can. Uh, but then they call, uh, call me and say, we're, uh, but right now we're just waiting for them to call and say we're making it. So uh, he said, essentially, uh, movement, but not a lot. So um, I have a feeling we're going to see this fizzle out into nothingness, which makes me kind of sad. All right, jumping into the latest news with a little film in the works right now called Shazam. Uh, There have been a ton of on-set photos and some leaked videos that we actually even posted one of those up on the Facebook group earlier in the week, showing us a good other additional detailed look at Zach Levi's costume. Uh, We did talk about this last week, and all we can say again this week is it continues to look like the comic book costume. So... All right, jumping into Wonder Woman. All right, we've got two stories to talk about here real fast, and that is the fact that we now know the film is set to start shooting in the UK this coming May, more than likely. 
In addition to that, last week we stated a little bit about the rumors that Kristen Wiig was going to be playing Cheetah for the sequel. That has now been 100% confirmed that the role is indeed hers, according to Patty Jenkins. So the actress has indeed signed on. Uh, I am very excited to see where this is going to go. I can't wait. Honestly, I really can't. I was so stoked that that actually got confirmed. All right. Uh, Speaking of other films, about to start filming. Again, news is light this week, guys. Later this year, we now know indeed also filming in the UK will be Suicide Squad. Uh, Like I said, as they mentioned in their report, that while Wonder Woman sounds like it will most likely kick off in May, uh, probably a couple months later, uh, and leaves in England, where you will see at Warner Brothers Studios uh, that Suicide Squad 2 will uh, indeed start going in front of cameras. So, all right. Um, A lot of my links have closed down on me, so I will have to boost (laughs) them back up where they kind of just timed out. So uh, thankfully, they are still there. Uh, An odd story coming out this week, and that is Warner Brothers targeting Chris McQuarrie, who is about to uh, start the directorial uh, point on the next Mission Impossible film entitled Fallout. He also directed Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which is actually a pretty fun, enjoyable movie. I love the Mission Uh, Impossible movies, with the exception of two. I, yeah, I like them all. They're all fairly enjoyable. Uh, he also uh, did uh, do Jack Reacher as well. So, But uh, it sounds like they're reaching out to Chris McQuarrie to direct the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, there's also some rumblings as well that in that Green Lantern Corps film, Hal Jordan will be a much older Hal Jordan helping train up a new Green Lantern. And if anything is true, it sounds like in the possibilities right now that this could mean none other than... Tom Cruise could be that person playing an older Hal Jordan training up uh, what it sounds like a, uh, a younger Jon Stewart uh, because of Chris McQuarrie and Tom Cruise's relationship. It sounds like this is the reason Warner Brothers is also going after this. Chris McQuarrie is also a fairly competent and decent director, too. I think Rogue Nation was pretty positive of that. So um, I, uh, go ahead. Finish your story. Uh, I, I was pretty much all I was going to say is right now the shortlist of actors we know for the role of Hal Jordan currently include Bradley Cooper, Army Hammer, Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, and Joel McHale. So okay, on that list for for Hal Jordan, uh, well, what what role was it that you had mentioned Tom Cruise could take? Uh, a, a, an older Hal Jordan. An older Hal Jordan. So. But but you didn't mention Tom Cruise on that short list. But is he also on that short list? I said I said that that you now adds him to that. Okay, short list. on that short list, I have one personal favorite that I. It's funny that you even bring it up because it was going to be my recommendation, my off kilter recommendation for this week. Um, hearing those names on that short list, I have one one that sticks out to me that I would, pardon my language, fucking love to see. I don't know if you could guess who it is. Joel McHale. Joel McHale. Absolutely. You know me too well, sir. Um, and I know probably the movie that you're going to reference. Uh, he had a little movie a couple years ago. Uh, it was a Christmas movie with him and Robin Williams. That was not going to be uh, my reference. Um, well, I was going to say, that kind of shows that he can play outside of that traditional humor vibe, though, yes. too. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, it's Merry, Mayor, Merry Friggin' Christmas. Merry Friggin' Christmas. Yeah. And I think, you know, in addition to that, but I think he that shows that he is not just... Uh, a, a, sarca- a sarcastic ass and a self-absorbed character like we see in his community and kind of how he portrays himself in things like in the past with Talk Soup and now the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale. That was my um, recommendation. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I can see where where he could fit in with the, a, a character like this. 
um, but not being afraid to be a little bit more intense. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I can see it. Yeah, I would, I would love to see Joe McHale in that role. But going to uh, the earlier point with Tom Cruise, I know listener Shad was adamantly against this. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was a lot of no memes that were posted on our <laughs> Yes, which made me laugh every time he posted another one. And then at one point I was just like, okay, Shad, we get the point. Um, we still love you, Shad, don't worry. Um, me, personally, though, having seen Jack Reacher and the Mission Impossible movies and knowing the extent that that guy goes to uh, doing his own stunts on Mission Impossible and everything else that he does, I kind of would be okay with it. Yeah, I, I honestly, in all honesty, I think the only problem really comes into play with one big key thing. Um, if you have a much older Hal Jordan training up a new Lantern, where where have the Lantern Corps been in Sector 2814, which is Earth, when Parademons were trying to decimate everything? You know, it, that brings up, I think, a few too many questions, so I'm kind of hoping this is not the angle that they go, because now it just confuses why the Lantern Corps was not involved in, like, this world-shattering moment that was about to happen. Uh, when Zod showed up in Man of Steel, all these things, it, it, it raises far too many questions. Um, and that's a bit of a problem for me. Yeah, no, that, so. that's, that does make a lot of sense. But yeah. I don't know. It'll be. I think the only name on that list I, I kind of would have a problem with is Gosling. Uh, Gosling wasn't in that list. Who was? I thought you said Ryan Gosling. Uh, oh, I said Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, Gyllenhaal. Reynolds. Gyllenhaal. Yeah. But wait, isn't Gyllenhaal up for Batman? Yeah, but he, nothing has been cast yet, though, too. So, and you got to remember, John Hamm is still up for Batman, and and oh, we God. haven't heard anything. That needs to happen. I know. That uh, needs to so happen. there's, I, I mean, Army Hammer was going to be playing. Uh, was it? I think initially he was going to play Batman on the George Miller uh, version of Justice League that was going to originally film uh, many years ago. Uh, where that version of that script is out there in the mix, you know, uh, you know George Miller who who did uh, you know Mad Max and you know Happy Feet, and which was wow, such a huge, huge difference between those two films. Um, but you know, uh, he was he was slated to I think play Batman at that time. Okay, so. All right. it'll be interesting to see what direction they go. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so very curious. So I'm very 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 much wondering where this is going to go. Uh, let's jump into a little story involving the Joker and that being also his involvement with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, while nothing has been set in stone, if Joaquin Phoenix is indeed going to be the pl- person playing the Joker in the Todd Phillips, Martin Scorsese origin film. It's so crazy to think Scorsese might do a Joker movie. Uh, <laughs> It'll be interesting. Uh, it will very much be interesting, but it sounds like there is a little thing here. Uh, this is indeed going to take place somewhere in the 1980s. They did say this is a standalone on its own kind of film. It will not have any tie. So this is kind of think of it as a kind of a standalone graphic novel. That's that is like an Elseworlds story. But they did say a little bit of a tie to uh, the killing joke that the Joker will be a failed 1980s comedian. Um you know, who has just not found his audience. So we do see uh, that kind of take happen a little bit in the killing joke when we get pieces of that origin and that thing that happens with the Red Hood gang. So it sounds like they could be going in that direction. So um, it's a big wait and see. I do think Joaquin Phoenix could be a, still a wonderful, wonderful choice for this version of the character. So uh, it's just a big wait and see. Uh, but it sounds like, again, uh, they are going with that failed 80s comedian angle and, a, and again, also telling us it's filming in the 80s. So that's a, 
a very, very different take and twist on all of this. So, all right, jumping into a tiny little piece of information about Aquaman, which we know has already had an early screening, but it sounds like that Rupert, uh, I think it's Rupert Gregson Williams, has been tapped by Warner Brothers to score the next DC film, uh, which is Aquaman, coming out on December 21st. Uh, but what is more interesting is, if you don't know that name, he is also the person best known for composing the scores for Wonder Woman, um, which, man, that makes me happy because it was such an, you know, that was just a very iconic uh, score. It was it was just such a wonderful, you know, angle. I mean, granted, he didn't create uh, that infamous you know theme song that we heard in Batman versus Superman that kind of played out. Uh, but he took that and kind of built an entire score around it, which worked incredibly well. He took so, it and ran with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, all uh, right. Uh, and coming into our very last story for the week that does not have anything to do with the movies, <laughs> but it kind of cites one in its news story uh, is this. Uh, the script for the final chapter of Batman, the enemy within. Uh, so the finale, they did say officially that piece is larger than the entirety of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. What? Yes. So uh, this is what they had to say. And I want to read this verbatim. This is coming from Telltale. Uh, said, what would you choose? A friend whose unhinged, uh, who's unhinged approach to justice turns your allies against you or a sworn enemy who will stop at nothing to see you suffer as your city burns? Based on the relationship you built with John Doe, you'll see one of two very dramatically different stories play out. So what would it be? Bruce, friend or foe? Um, so it sounds like the end of this, we could see John Doe as a completely different character by the end, or you will see the creation of the Joker. Um, so, uh, they said, uh, this is called, the episode is called Same Stitch, features two separate different takes on the fully evolved John Doe, once a ruthless villain that hews closer to the classic uh, clown prince of crime, and the other, an unpredictable vigilante that's unlike any other portrayal of DC's iconic character. Man, I am very, very much excited. So they went on to say a little bit more. He said, uh, describes Telltale's branchiest episode ever. Same Stitch delivers three and a half hours worth of content spread across two complete distinct storylines that share at most only three overlapping scenes. The overall script for the episode is actually larger than Christopher Nolan's entire Dark Knight trilogy with over 4,500 lines of dialogue divided amongst 38 characters. They said, without exaggeration, Same Stitch is the most ambitious uh, ambitious piece of content Telltale has ever produced. We had to adjust our usual development process to accommodate the added, uh, added scope, but it was super important to us to honor players' choices, whether that they chose to befriend John or not. We had to deliver on the season's central promise of allowing players to craft their own Joker. The episode will be coming out on Steam, Mobile, Xbox One and PS4 on March 27th. Nice. It's right around the corner. Absolutely. I'm really happy to hear that we could see two versions of this character. I was the one thing I was like, there's no way they're going to give us a character that's not going to fall down this path. And it very much is. And the beautiful thing is, too, that that photo that they have up right now for, for this episode is a classic image looking like that, you know, we're seeing this character, the Joker, holding up that camera in that kind of like little window where you see on the killing joke, but instead he's holding up a mobile phone and that phone is split down his face where you're seeing a sad clown and a happy clown, Hmm. Uh, which is really kind of a perfect visual look for this. So I I think, I I think you and me are both about to see a vigilante joker before the end of our stories. 
the way yeah. that our, our our stories have played out so far. Yeah, but uh, it, it's definitely making me interested in going back and replaying the entire thing again once I'm done. Knowing that we're going to have a dramatic different ending is yeah. going to be incredibly unique. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that play out now. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what a way to close out um, season two. So it, the three and a half hours is total between the two different storylines. It's not when we play it, it's going to take us three and a half hours to complete it. It's three and a half hours is if you were to, to total both of them together. Yeah. So it okay. sounds like each story is probably about three, uh, an hour and 45 minutes. So about yeah. the length of a uh, length of a feature film is how it's going to play out. Um, but the fact that we know that there's two dramatically separate ones. Um, and they only share seven. like three scenes. They said only three scenes are shared. That's crazy. So, yeah, uh, completely different. Um, Telltale has never done anything quite like this. So uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what's going to be there. So Telltale makes some amazing games, man. They really do. And to this day, man, if you haven't played Tales from the Borderlands, whether you like Borderlands or not, it doesn't matter. It is one of the best and most humorous stories uh, I have ever seen. That's one That's one that I need to play. I've played the Game of Thrones one. I've played the Back to the Future one. And um, I got to play Tales from the Borderlands and also King's Quest. Uh, King's Quest is not Telltale. That is actually Sierra. Um, so that was a separate different group, but uh, very similar in it, how they chose to do it. So. Yeah, because I, I love the original King's Quest games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they did a beautiful job, too, uh, when they initially – Telltale initially kicked off when they added in uh, – and they started off with – they had, I think, some strong bad – uh, games um in addition to they did uh tales from monkey island which was the next chapter in monkey island they did two seasons of sam and max uh which were old lucas uh, lucas arts games too if you're uh, a big fan of them um uh, so they've really come a long way i think the only big miss that they they have had from their their record has been the jurassic park game that they did which was uh pretty pretty hated so yeah um, th- i wasn't too crazy about that one too i did play that one yeah. So, uh, and the and the the adaptation of Fable: The Wolf Within was phenomenal too. So, although I will say that the new Jurassic World game that's supposed to be coming out pretty soon looks fantastic. Yeah, uh, the Jurassic Park World Builder. I think yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah, that does look fun. I can't wait. All uh, right, uh, recommendations. Um, all right. So I mentioned it a little bit earlier too, but it, it's kind of again, it's off kilter. It's not anything DC related, but it's just something I've been really enjoying. Uh, if you're a fan of Joel McHale which I am a huge fan of Joel McHale. I'm even more excited because Joel McHale is coming to the Philly area in June, and I have front row tickets to go see Joel McHale. So I'm extremely excited I get to go see Joel McHale. But uh, he has, if you were a fan of Talk Soup when he did that on um, on E! Network, uh, he kind of has a, a new version of that now, now on Netflix, the Joel McHale show starring Joel McHale. It's basically Talk Soup except no commercials and cursing. Yeah, which I've been watching it every week. It's actually probably the first thing I'll be doing as soon as we're done recording is while I'm editing. I will be watching the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale. So my recommendation, if you have Netflix and you're a fan of Joel McHale, even if you're not, and you just like stupid like videos from television. uh, Watch the Joel McHale show on Joel McHale. It's a half hour every Sunday. There's only been, I think, three episodes. I think this week is episode four. Uh, as for me, uh, I'm going to be watching it this week because I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, which is uh, Professor Marston, uh, I think Marston, and, and the, the Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman uh, I'm going to watch this week, which is the story about the creation, uh, creator of Wonder Woman. Uh, so check that out. Uh, I know we will probably be reviewing that um, in the off months uh, where we're probably just talking about Supergirl. So uh, that'll definitely be coming sometime soon. But uh, give it a watch now and watch it again later because I've heard nothing but amazing things. So Yeah, it's something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out at some point, too. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So cheap plugs, and then we can get out of here and start, start prepping. Start working on the hundredth, man. I can't wait. Uh, cheap plugs. You can catch this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, which is nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash next level radio online and of course you can check out the facebook page for this particular podcast facebook.com slash dc primetime once again i will mention the number two four hour dc primetime voicemail one 247 5380 that's toll free in the u.s and canada give us a call give us predictions uh just leave us a voicemail all all you have to do uh, yes, and before I forget, we are supposed to announce our new fan of the month. We are saving that for episode 100. Yes. Uh, so uh, we forgot to bring that up at the beginning of the show. Um, but also, as far as that voicemail, uh, guys, we've got to make sure you use it or lose it. Uh, that yeah. does cost money for us to run. So um, <laughs> if you guys don't have an interest in it, we will probably be dropping that. But we still want to give you guys an opportunity to use that. Uh, if you guys like it, it will stay. If not, um, cheers. Uh, will happen. So, um uh, but for me, also, I want to say to check me out through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods through nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, this Wednesday, we are finally getting a chance to record the musical episode because of the snowstorm last week, which completely screwed that up for us because we had another eastern roll through here, as Ben mentioned earlier, which put us now behind two weeks longer than we wanted to. But uh, it is indeed coming this Wednesday. Uh, I can already state to the next episode after that. Uh, that I'm already deep into planning is a Ready Player One episode. That specifically is going to be us talking about how 80s and 90s pop culture kind of shaped the world we live in today, uh, followed up by us discussing probably a review of the movie and a review of the book. Uh, So something a little bit different, but I thought it would be a lot of fun to do. You have no idea how much Ready Player One I'm going to be talking. We, I know we already have our tickets to go see the movie um, on the, the Thursday night before it opens. Uh, I'll uh, be doing... Actually, uh, well, we see it opening day, uh, not the pre, pre-show pre night, because Warner Brothers did something really weird with this movie. And they said, hey, the movie's coming out on Thursday instead of a Friday because it's Easter weekend. And uh... then they said, oh, well, so because of that, we're going to do preview nights on Wednesday. And no theaters really had spots up in our area for Wednesday night showings and they added them the day after we bought our tickets. And I'm like, yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> so we'll, we'll still be seeing it on Thursday. So I don't, I don't we'll care. see it Thursday night, but it's I have, I have the, going to see it on Thursday with you guys. I have, uh, the podcast, the caffeine crew cast of pods podcast reviewing it. And I'm also got asked to be part of a book club podcast in which they specifically did ready player one for this month because the movie is releasing. Uh, so I'm getting, I'm getting to talk with you guys about the movie, go see the movie with you guys. And, I get to talk about the book on another podcast a little bit later on this month. So I'm going to be talking so much Ready Player One that I can't wait. Yeah, so our that podcast will probably um, be recorded very, very early April. Probably the first Monday or Wednesday of April is when we'll record that. Uh, give uh, a little bit of time because normally wait a two-week time frame for movie spoilers. And since we're going to be re- reviewing that uh, in that podcast, we'll, we'll give it probably about a week. So Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. Really can't wait. To see uh, big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. Thank you each and every week for allowing us to use your wonderful tunes on this show. Make sure you head over to his website and to his SoundCloud. Check out his projects out there in the mix. He also has a YouTube channel as well. Uh, but that about does it. I'll turn it back over to you, sir. Yep. Uh, so next week, as we had mentioned, our big 100th episode issue celebration, we're going to talk about The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and of course, Black Lightning since Green Arrow will be on a break. Thank you for that wonderful 
wonderful gift for our hundredth by giving us a break from Arrow next week. Uh, but yeah, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, John Wesley Ship and Tom Welling are two confirmed guests for next week. So keep an eye out for two podcasts next week. Uh, you'll get the regular episode, episode 100, on next Monday. And then, of course, the probably – I don't know if it will be the same day or if it will be a couple days later. It all depends on if we have any more confirmed guests. Any more guests confirmed throughout the week this week? Right, and I know uh, the timing for Tom is still getting plotted right now. We know, for example, we are uh, doing the meeting with John tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but again, Tom is still – that is confirmed. It's just the scheduling right now. So Right now we're just working on the scheduling of when it's going to happen next week. So um, if, if as long as John and Tom happen within next week, you will have that, that part two – Probably the same day. We'll release it a little bit later on Monday evening so you can hear it. I might even release them both at the same time. Um, if, however, we do get a third confirmed guest, depending on the timing of when that interview might happen, um, if it's later in the week, if not the following Monday or whatever, we'll probably delay part two a couple days just so we can get that interview in to be part of it as well. But if it's just John and Tom, you'll get it next Monday at some point. So keep an eye on that. Our 100th is next week. Parts 1, Part 2. John Wesley Ship, Tom Welling joining us for the 100th. We're overly ecstatic. We cannot wait to speak to these gentlemen. But until that time, thank you for being a part of this. For 99 episodes, 100 next week. Uh, hopefully 100 more, if not hundreds more. Thank you for being a part of the community. Thank you for podcasting. Thank you for subscribing, listening, posting, everything that you guys do. Until next week for our 100th. We will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.